again. This uh, passage is appropriate. Uh, I, I had no idea that um, my daughter Mia was going to share that about the uh, of the um, oh there it is about the uh, yeah the grumpy guy. <laughs> All right, but this passage is appropriate for it. Uh, I'll make this quick. So. So uh, the outreach in that place, you see all people from all different walks of life. Uh, sometimes uh, we can get grumpy too. Uh, so the Lord did something to me that morning when this grumpy guy, because I said something to Mia right after he went by uh, in my heart, but I just whispered it to her and so the Lord has a, a way, right, <laughs> to talk, talking to us. Uh, out of my mouth came something to Mia, assuming who this guy was, <laughs> right? And later on, Dan Richter, Dan Richter out here, and I, uh, he was mingling the whole time, and I, I decided... I didn't decide, I just started mingling at the end. Everybody had laughed, so it was just Dan and I still there. And we started talking. And this guy, he was standing in the front of the line. He had ended up in the front of the line. And I was going out, and I just went to talk to him, started talking to him, and you know. And he, I asked him, uh, I don't know how it started, but bottom line was, he started talking to me about something, and then music came up. So I wanted to take, I told him I had been taking piano lessons because I don't know where music came from. I had been taking piano lessons and I quit. And then he says to me, he says, well, uh, why'd you quit? I told him why I was quit because of the flats. The, okay. <laughs> it was the flats. And then he says, well, blah, 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 blah. And then he just told me where he was from. And he was born and raised uh, probably uh, in this, well, this, 20, 30 miles away from I was born from, born and raised from. And we were talking about it in the South. So it, so it was like, whoa. So we got in his conversation again. And this is what got me, where, where he told me he's only been up here uh, for a couple of months back. Uh, he, was, he went to school at Mississippi State University. Mississippi State University. He taught music. I mean, not taught music. He was in the band. He was in a marching band. And uh, he, he knows, I don't know, I think he said three or four instruments. And that piano thing I had, the, the keyboard thing I had a problem with, he says, you, you, you just need to practice. And he just kept telling me, there's no easy way out. You just need to practice. And, and I said, that's the same thing my, the guy who's teaching me told me. You just need to practice. So I'm listening to him, and I just start having this respect for him, and it, it slapped me in my face. I said, you know, when I saw him, and when he said that, there was no respect at all. But after I got to know him and talk to him, and he, he, was, he, was, he was exactly who I am, you know, that was another eye-opener from the Lord. I repented and just talked to him a little more, and I moved on. 
So you never know how the Lord is going to touch you when you're out helping people, uh, how he's going to open your eyes, how he's, how he's going to resurrect your soul, how he's going to connect you with, with, with the world again to bring them in. And so that was just a short testimony. I wasn't going to say anything, but she brought it out. Uh, and, he, and the guy wasn't grumpy. He was not grumpy. It was literally the biscuits. He didn't want cold biscuits. That was it. <laughs> so the scripture today is from 1 Peter. Was this 2 Peter? 1 <laughs> Peter. 1 Peter 4, 7 through 9. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert. Oh. Above all Love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sin. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. This touched me because that is what happened out there with that guy. And it's also what needs to happen with us. May the Lord bless us with the spirit of his word. Amen. Feliz Sábado. It's been a blessing to be here again to share with you the Word of God. Well, also, uh, let me tell you something quickly. I don't know if you noticed the praising, uh, praising team this morning. Did you notice something different today? Oh, there is a new girl today. Welcome. I sorry I forgot your name, but I know Teresa has been bringing her here at church, and she, Kat, oh yeah, Kat, yeah I remember, thank you, and Teresa told me she, she's feeling so welcome that she wanted to come today, but I wasn't expecting her to be singing this morning. Is that something to be happy about? It yes, it is, and also. Uh, let me uh, congratulate the praising team. I think the songs that you picked today are the best because they go along with, it, with this title or the theme that we're going to discuss today. So let's bow our head and have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for the blessing you have given us. Thank you for bringing us here safe to worship you and praise you. As we open your word today, Send your Holy Spirit so can it lead us and it teach us what you wanted to learn, Father. We ask you this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Am I saved? If I ask you to raise your hand, if you believe that you are saved, would you raise your hand? <laughs> and I ask you this because it's, uh, sometimes in our life we come especially in our Christian life, we come with many doubts. We sometimes will believe, uh, when I pray that God really heard my prayers, when I say something, is it really helping people? Or when I do this, is it really doing the thing that is pretended to do? And those are the things that sometimes in our Christian life we find. 
And with this topic, which is, am I saved, is one of those important topics. Maybe what we're going to study today is something that you already know. But it's good that we go ahead and review it and study over again. But also, why we go ahead and say it again? Because there is always new people listening. And it's good for them to understand the plan that God has for them, not only for us, but for them as well. And it's also there are some other people that maybe they have forgot those little things here and there, and they need to be reminded of what God has for them. And that's why we talk about these subjects every now and then. So the question is, am I saved? And if so, if I'm not saved, do I have to do anything or I don't have to do anything? Because those are the things that come into our mind, right? Well, also, if I don't have to do anything, I just need to accept it and move on because there is some people there that say, hey, once saved, you're always saved. So there's nothing you can do because once you're baptized, forget it. You're not going to lose your salvation. Well, let me tell you something. What if I tell you yes and no? What would you think about it? <laughs> that in some of these statements, there are some kind of truth, but not total truth. And that's the reason why we're going to study today. <clears throat> so in order to answer this question, we need to go to the Bible. So the Bible can help us to understand. And in order to do that, we need to go first to creation. Why creation? Because it is where everything started. It's where God created this world, and the way they created is important to us. For example, we read in Genesis 1.31, at the end of the sixth day, when creation was almost done, he says, and God saw that everything that he had made and behold, how was it? Pretty good? Little good? <laughs> no, it is interesting because sometimes he uses a two words to say something is bigger. And he says, it was very good. It doesn't say, oh, it was just good. No, it was very good. And in the text, what he's trying to say, it is, it was perfect. That's what the meaning that the text is trying to say. When God created everything, he was perfect. And, every, and, and the evening and the morning were the sixth day. What are we reading here? The God, the title used there, the God is Elohim. And Elohim is the title for God, the creator. So when God, the creator, does something, he never does or never does anything halfway. Oh, I just created the animals, I put them there, and then the little parrot says, oh, I don't have anything to eat. Oops, sorry, I forgot. You need some grains. I'm going to put some grains for you. Oh, I forgot water. No. He does everything perfect. But not only perfect. He does everything in perfect order. And I think we have a study about this before. God created the environment, and after he created all the environment, then he started populating all the environment with fish, animals, birds, and late last with men. 
He created everything perfect. So at this moment, does man need a salvation? No. Because everything was perfect. God has the tree of life in the middle of the garden. So Adam and Eve could go and have of that fruit and live forever. Everything. But we know the story, right? There is somebody, God's enemy, our enemy, who intervened. And he made Adam and Eve sin. And when he made Adam and Eve sin, everything went downfall. Why? Because once sin entered the earth, we have read in Romans 6, 23, what is that? Because the wages of sin is death. So death entered. Now that's our inheritance. That because Adam and Eve sinned, now someday we will have to die. Unless Jesus comes before. But that is inheritance sin. So somehow everything starts to fall apart. What God had created perfect, it starts to come down. Not because it was his purpose, but because the enemy came and intervened in everything. Now, we have also studied before that God always have a plan B, right? So sometimes God says, okay, I'm going to do this, but if this fails, then I have this to do. And so in that way, God introduced or put in place what the man fell. He put in place the plan of salvation. Now, he needed to save that man from his own sin, from his own destruction, from his own death. So God has to work. And right there from the beginning, we read in Genesis 3.15 when he says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. What is God saying here? If we remember the story, God is talking to the serpent, which is Satan, and, she, and God is talking to the women, Eve. And God is saying, okay, I will put enmity between her seed and your seed. And he says, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Somehow God is telling them in symbols that one day that guy who originated the fall of men was going to be destroyed by somebody who was going to come in the future. And who was this somebody, someone? It was Jesus. This is the Jesus that he will plant. Now, let me ask you a question. Could it be that God created a plan right in that moment? Oh, my window broke, so I'm going to go ahead and find something from Office Depot or Home Depot, whatever. No. God has everything planned. How do we know that? Well, when we read the scriptures, we also read like in 1 Peter 1 he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifested in these last times for you. Who is Peter talking about? In the whole context of 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter is talking about Jesus. And when he's talking about Jesus, he says, well, Jesus, he was foreordained before what? 
the foundation of the world. So in other words, before God created the earth and created us on this earth, he had a plan. If man ever fails, then Jesus will come and sacrifice for that human being. Isn't that wonderful? God, God always have everything in hand. He always has the last say. And he's one that always prepares everything in order. So, another thing that I like about this text, and he says, before the foundation of the world. Why is it important about the foundation of the world? Because if we are Christians, if we are going to inherit the, low, the new land, and you read uh, Matthew 25, and Jesus talking to the chiefs and says, come to me, and I will give you the kingdom prepared for you from where? He used the same word, from the foundation of the world. So somehow, the promise from Jesus is that he will restore everything and he will give us what he promised from the beginning. Isn't that wonderful? So God always has something there. Now, so do you think that this decree was also made just at that moment? No. God already has this plan. But what was the plan that God had in mind? Let's read John 3, 16 and 17. And this is a text that we all know very, very well. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. My brothers, this is one of the most beautiful texts that you can find in the Bible. Why? First, because it talks about God the Father. And very few instances of the Bible, we read about God the Father. Most of the time, we read about Jesus. It talks about it's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But in this moment, it talks about God the Father. And what God the Father says, that he so loved the world. God so much loved the world. Let me ask you something. If you have the chance to save someone's life by giving the life of your son, would you have a second thought? Probably a third thought, or a fourth thought, or a fifth. Or probably you will never do it. But the Bible said that God so loved, so much loved the world that he gave what? His only, only begotten son. In other words, what the Bible is saying that he, God gave us everything he had. What for? That whoever believes in him, but him who is him, it's Jesus. So God gave us Jesus. So if we believe in Jesus, should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. Now, this perish or this death is not talking about the first death. It's talking about the second death. 
But it's something that we might have in another sermon another time so that we don't get confused. But God said that he gave everything he had for you and for me. Why? Because he loved you so much. He loved me so much. And he gave that for you. But what else does the Bible say? Verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Isn't it true that sometimes when we do a favor or do something for somebody, we just do it in order to bring shame on them because they could have made it and they weren't able to do it and we just did it just to bring some shame on them because they were boasted, oh, I'm the best, or whatever, and we came and gave them help and we did it just to bring shame on them. But no, God did this in order to not to condemn the world. He knows that we fail. He knows that Adam and Eve sinned. He knows that we sin, but still, he sent his son. Not to condemn, but what? That the world through him might be safe. And that, my brothers, in those two texts, you can find the whole plan of salvation. The whole heaven working for you and for me so that we all can be safe. Isn't that wonderful? God loves you so much that he gave you everything he has so that you can be saved. First Timothy 2.4 also tells us something the same. Talking about Jesus says, who desires that all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Does God want us to be lost because we sin? No. He wants everyone to be saved. He wants everyone to be saved. Even those who are now in jail, he's still working for them. He's still working the ministry in the hearts of those people over there. He's doing it because he still loves them. So the salvation of man is accomplished. And let me read this for you. Um, and Ellen White says, the salvation of man is accomplished at an infinite expense to heaven. The sacrifice made is equal to the brother's demands of the broken love of God. Jesus has opened the way to the Father's throne, and through his mediation, the sincere desire of all who come to him in faith might be presented before God. Sometimes we don't think about things like this. The price that heaven had to pay for our salvation is huge. It's big. But sometimes we don't think about it. We believe it is just, oh, Jesus sacrificed for me. Hmm? Great. No. The salvation of man is accomplished at that infinite expense to heaven. And the sacrifice made is equal to the broadest demand or the broken law of God. And this is also something hard for us to understand, even for us for Christians, because somehow when we sin, 
it also means that that sin has already been paid too in advance. It, it sounds kind of weird because you don't want to believe that God has paid that sin or that debt of the sin in advance. But that is really what happened. And we will know why later. So that doesn't give us also a line that, okay, so if I can sin, so I can do whatever sin I want and God is going to forgive me. No, that's not the point. What is telling us that it, no matter how big your sin you think it is, God has already paid the price for that sin. That is what it's saying. But also something important, that Jesus has opened the way to the Father's throne. That's why when I pray in the name of Jesus, who take my prayer? Jesus take my prayer and he take it to the Father because he's the one who is without sin. And he has opened that connection that we have lost and eaten. See? So now, my brother, that the plan of salvation has been presented to us on a silver tray. God has given us the plan of salvation here. He said, hey, here you go. This is the plan of salvation from me to you. Now, it is up to us, accepted or rejected. What are you going to do? Are you going to accept the plan of salvation or are you going to reject the plan of salvation? If you choose uh, to reject it, well, God respects your choices. He gave Adam and Eve free will from the beginning, and still today, He's given us free will. And this is kind of strange to understand because we don't know anything. You must say, oh, this is my body. It's not yours. It's God's. Oh, this is my life. It's not yours. It's God's. This is my home. It's not yours. It's God. But if you, God lets you use your free will so that you decide what to do with your body and with everything he has given you. So if you reject it, okay, there's nothing else to say. You know your end, you know your destiny. But what happens if you accept the plan of salvation? How do I accept the plan of salvation? And let me tell you about this. On the book of Acts, chapter 16, from verses 16 to 24, we find a very interesting story. Paul and Silas are coming to Filippo, and they are going to spread the gospel. And as soon as they come into the city, there is a little girl who has the spirit of divination. Paul and Silas know that they don't, the spirit that she has is not the spirit from God. It, she's been demon-possessed. So they feel sorry for this little girl, and what they do is they cast out the demon. So now the girl is free from that demon. We also read at the moment that the owner of this little girl come. He said, oops, now my profits or my income has been damaged. So he comes and brings them to court. They get sued. They get punished. And their clothes are torn off beat them with rods, they put into jail, and fastened their feet with stocks. Do you think they're comfortable there? Probably not. They're sore because of the pain 
They might be having a second thought. Why did we do that? Why didn't we leave that girl alone? Is she hurting us a lot? No. No, they're not having those thoughts. They are in joy. And they are in so much joy that they start singing and praising the Lord. And I believe that that day, it was the peaceful, the most peaceful day in that prison. Because I don't think that I have ever heard of a prison of which there is quiet. There's something happening. And it was so peaceful that what happened with the jailer? He fell asleep. And I believe that when what Paul and Silas were singing, it was that beautiful song. I don't know if you heard it before. It says, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and grief to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. I believe that he was singing that song. And that would make everybody happy. And you might think, why is Peter or Paul and Silas singing that song and see how they're doing. They're beaten. They're falling. They're stuck. They're not even happy. But we also know what happened in that moment. On Acts 16, 30, 33, we know that these men, they come an earthquake. And at that earthquake, that guy, he saw all the doors open and he woke up and he said, oops, what happened? All the jail, all the men are afraid. So he's about to hurt himself. And there's a voice at the, at the end of the jail from Paul. It says, do yourself no harm, for we are all here. That brought him peace. But then we read, and he brought them out and said, Third, what must I do to be saved? So they say, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word to the Lord, to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed the stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. So how do you accept the plan of salvation? It is written there. The first thing you do Believe. How did he start, the jailer start to believe? When he saw these two strange men that instead of whining and cursing, they were praising their God. And they were like, wow, what a weird people, right? If I were them, I should be cursing everyone, even me, because I keep them here in the stocks. But he started to see something different there. And then they, they heard the song. He heard the songs and everything they were singing. And that started talking to his heart. So he started to believe it. When this happened, the first question that came to, my, to his mind, it says, Sir, what must I do to be saved? It's the same thing that we might ask every day. God, what must I do to be saved? And the answer is there. Believe in, on the Lord Jesus Christ. The, Bible, the text also says that when Paul and Silas went to their home, they talked to him about who? Jesus. 
I believe that Paul and Silas talked about, them about the crucifixion. Who Jesus was. Why he came to this earth. What he's doing in heaven. And this man did something. Okay, now I know. I know about Jesus. What do I know next? Baptize. And he, immediately, he and all his family were baptized. Why baptism is important in the plan of salvation? Because Mark 16, 16 says, he who believes and is baptized will be what? Saved. You want to be saved? Yes, you want to be baptized. You have to be baptized. But he who does not believe will be condemned. But he who makes, but who, but who makes you believe? Who makes you believe that you need to be baptized? And then we read John 16a. Jesus said there, when he has come, he will convict the world of sin in the righteousness and of judgment. Who is Jesus talking about? It's the Holy Spirit. So in that moment when he's in this jail and he starts hearing those songs, it's the Holy Spirit talking to his heart. Sometimes when we hear the praising theme and we hear those songs, we say, oh, this song, I know it again. But no, he's talking to someone's heart. He's talking to the heart of the people. That the, it, every song is a message. And we hear that message. The song, especially this morning, Wow, if we sing that reckless love every day or today, the whole sermon is all there. The sermon today is all in that song, reckless love. So it's the Holy Spirit who's talking to this person. Now there's something interesting too. What happens when we baptize? Is that all? No. It's something interesting happened too. Uh, and the... And, in Luke chapter 10, verses 17 to 20, it talks about that previously Jesus had sent 70 people to preach the gospel. Now, these 70 people are coming back, and they are happy, and they say, hey, you know what? All the demons have subject to us in your name. And they are very excited. And Jesus told them, hey, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall, be, shall by any means hurt you. But he also told them something, and it's important that we know that today. What does he say on verse 20? Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because what? Your names are written in heaven. Amen. When you believe and you baptize, the other thing that happens is that your name is written in heaven. Have you heard of the, the book of life? Have you heard of the book of life? The Bible talks about it many times. So when you baptize in this church, your name is not only on the registry of this local church. We believe that it happens what it says right there. Your name is written in heaven. Oh, on today, 
Then Flanagan was baptized, and said that in heaven. And that is important that we know that all the time. Because maybe we might have issues on this earth, but if my name is written there, that is what is important. Because we're going to talk about it later on this thing. We're going to come back to this thing. So there you have the plan of salvation. God sent his son to sacrifice, to die for you. Now you need to believe in him. And if you believe in him, you baptize so that you can accept the plan of salvation. But now it comes to the second part. Okay, so now let's say, now I am baptized. I don't need to do anything else. Now, here is the process. So one thing leads to another. So what happened after you baptize? What is the requirement for you? Let's see a talk about Let's talk about the fruit of salvation. What happens if you are about to lose your life? Let's say you go to a doctor and the doctor say, you know, your lungs are no longer good because you have smoke all your life and we need to remove them. And once we remove them, you're going to die. There's no way that I can find another lung. But then... All of a sudden, someone says, hey, I can donate half, half of my lungs so that he can live. How will you feel toward that person? Oh, finally, he did something good. <laughs> no, right? You will feel grateful because you have the chance to live a little longer, to enjoy life. So you are going to be grateful to that person. It's the same way with Christians. We should be grateful and thankful all the time. Why? Because God has done something that we cannot do. is to remove our sins and give us something we do not deserve, eternal life. Should we be grateful for that? I don't hear anything. Oh, I see. I thought you maybe fall asleep. <laughs> no. Yeah. And that's the, that's the reason. We are so grateful for what God has done for me that then, on return, I start doing things for God too. And those are what we call the fruits of salvation. So what are those fruits? First of all, John 14, 15, Jesus says, if you love me, what? Keep my commandment. Why is the law so important? Ellen White on the side of Ages, page 66, 66a, it reads, Jesus saves men not in sin, but from sin. And this is something that we need to understand. Jesus saves men not in sin, but from sin. Why did God give us the law? I remember a long time ago, I was watching some videos, and I found one. It was a Jewish rabbi, and he was talking about the law. And he said the law is like a fence that God puts around us. And that fence will prevent us to go into sin. So it will keep us always free from sin. Because that is like a fence, a protection fence from all of us. But what did we study from uh, 
scarred like two weeks ago. Sometimes we are not sheep, we are goats, right? <laughs> and we just jump that fence. And when we jump that fence and we get out of the uh, Tenth Commandments, then we break the law. But in order for us to be saved, we need to obey the law, not because we have to, but because we love the one who put the law. And that's what Jesus is saying there. If you love me, keep my commandments. So because I love him so much, I am so grateful for what he did for me, then I'm going to keep the law because I want to honor the one who saved me. And also because of serving and keeping the law is good for me. And that's why I have to keep the law. And this is something that has to be deep in our hearts. It's not because we have to, like the Constitution or the other transit or laws or everything. No, no. it's because it's good for me and because I love him. What else am I going to do? Because I'm grateful. Well, the other thing Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I am so grateful for God that now I don't want that salvation only to be for me. I want to bring my family too. I want to bring my neighbor. I want to bring my friend. The one I talked to the bus station. The one I talked to the airport. I want them to know what God has done for me. And that's why I go ahead and now preach the gospel every time. I know you don't have to give a sermon, but you, sometimes, I, I don't know, but you, in the airport you find a hundred different type of people. Sometimes people are in a hurry, but if sometimes you might be like, everyone is stressed and you're like so happy, like, hmm, I'm happy to be here today. People might go like, are you stressed because our flight is not coming? No, fine. I'm okay. And people start going to talk to you, talk to you, and then you tell them why you're like that. Oh, because I just pray to God and I'm sure that we're going to get there on time and safe. Only those two words or three words that you cross, you're going to touch people's heart. And you're going to change that life. I, I think I told you a couple of times that the place I work, I work in the food industry, and sometimes I got a family. And this family is, uh, is the lady that comes with their children. And she's so charismatic, always so happy, and everything. And when you go, and she says, hi, how are you doing today? And, and she's so happy all the time talking to you. And after you introduce yourself and talk to her, she just grabs your hand and says, hey, what do you want me to pray for? She always says that. And she was surprised for my answer. And I told her, I just want blessings. <laughs> and she goes, what? So you're not asking for anything? Else? No, I just want blessings. That's all I need. And she said, wow, yeah. But only those words that you cross with people, it changed people's life. So sometimes you don't have to do a lot. Just talk to them. Oh, I'm happy. I'm thankful. I'm okay. Could be words. But those words that you cross with people, it will change life. Also, <clears throat> John 14, 12 reads, Most assuredly I said to you, he who believes in me, and I'm going to stop right there. 
Jesus is talking here. How many of us believe in Jesus? Oh, amen. All of us. <laughs> I wanted to do this because this is a compromise. Have you read the whole text? <laughs> he who believes in me, what? The works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than this he will do because I go to my Father. What did Jesus do? He talked to every people he could. He provided food. He uh, healed some other people. He brought others back, back to life. And what is he saying about you? If you believe in me, you will do greater works that I do. We know that we don't have the power that the uh, disciples had at the beginning, and that might have some explanation. One of them is that maybe heaven doesn't want the power of one person or two persons, because what will happen at this time? Let's say God has given the power of healing to Shelley, and Shelley became worldwide celebrity because everybody who she touches will heal no matter what. What will happen with her? We love her. Why? Because somebody will take it and, and they will believe that she's God and that she has the power, but they will not understand that it's God that's doing to her. So maybe that's one of the reasons why we don't see that today. But one thing is true, that when the whole church pray for something and ask God for that sin, God will provide. So God has given us the power in community. That's why when we have somebody that is sick, we bring it to the church. Oh, pray for such and such because it's sick. And we pray and that person receives healing. That's how God does. Now, also, so if we believe in God, we need to do the works that Jesus did in the past. That means we also have to preach. We also have to go out, outside and do some outreach. James 2.20 says the same thing. But do you want to know, O oh foolish men, that faith without works is dead? In other words, if I say, oh, I, I believe in God, I believe in God, but I don't do anything, that means that I'm dead. Because I'm not doing anything. So yeah, if you believe in God, you have to do something for God. Something. That's, that's what the, the message is saying. And he's comparing the example of Abraham. Why Abraham was counted to be righteous. Because when God told him, hey Abraham, you need to bring your son and sacrifice it on the altar. What did Abraham say? Or did? He brought his son. Three days had to work had to walk with his son. And all the three days, do you think he, he was thinking, what was he thinking? Wow, baby, why did God ask me to do this? It's my son, it's my only son, it's the promise that he made. But he told me, so I'm going to have to do it. I don't know, he has another plan later, but I have to do it. And once he put it on the altar, God stopped him, but that process that he obeyed the word of God, 
that he did what God asked him to do, that was what counted for him as righteousness. So that is a faith working. That's the same way for us. Our faith has to work. For example, Ellen White says, our faith should be prolific of good works. For faith without work is dead. Every duty performed, every sacrifice made in the name of Jesus brings an exceeding great reward. In the very act of duty, God speaks and gives his blessing. And let me say it publicly today. I think we have an awesome ministry in this church. The Breakfast Club. We might say, oh, I just bought a pair of socks and dump it there in the basket. Oh, you brought some cookies the other day. But that ministry that they're doing is big. Because they are reaching people that you're not doing, or that you're not reaching. And that faith that they are doing, they are coming to the gym at 5 a.m. in the morning on Sunday when they could be at home sleeping, warm and cozy, but they came and prepared breakfast for a bunch of people they don't know. And they don't even know if they're going to be thankful. But they do it either way. And those are works of the faith. And this is something that we should be proud of it and happy. They're not going to get recognition on this earth. But one thing is true. That day in heaven, God will tell you, because you see me hungry and you fed me. You see me naked and you clothed me. God will tell those to the breakfast club because they are doing that work for us. So every time they ask for help, maybe if you cannot come at five because you know we got sometimes kind of lazy, but we can help them. So they can do that work for us. It's a beautiful ministry. So uh, if we are believers, if we are Christian, somehow everything that we do, it has to be shown as people of faith. That's why we need to have works, because we have those works, because we are faithful. Now, there is the question. Can we lose our salvation? Some people say we can, because one says we always save. But let me let's see what the Bible has to say. And I want to bring you to Revelation 3, verses 1 to 5. And there is a message here for the church of Sard in Sardis. And let's read verses 1. <clears throat> and to the angel of the church in Sardis, write. This thing says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled the garment, and they shall walk with me 
in white, for they are worthy. And listen to verses 5. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garment, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before the angels. What is God saying in this message to the churches? In verses 2, we read, I have not found your works perfect before God. In other words, we are not doing the things that God wants us to do. Or maybe we are doing it in the wrong way. Or maybe we're doing it with the wrong purpose. So that's why God says, I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, that you're dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. He also has a warning, therefore, remember, therefore, how you have received and heard, hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief. In other words, God is telling his people, he's sending a warning message. But if you don't watch, that means if you're not careful, he will come upon us as thief. And somehow, what he's telling us is, we should be aware that we're living in the last times. There is no doubt about it. But how are we living a life? Are we living a life like if we are in the end of times? Or are we living a life like if I am in the Bahamas? Or I am in Puerto Rico? In vacation? Like, oh, don't worry, nothing happened. I just want some rest. No. We need to be watchful for everything. That means that all the time I need to be watchful on the things that I do. But now let's read what he says on verse 5. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. So if we overcome sins in this time, we will be clothed with white garments. But what happened? And what happened next? And I will not blot out his name from the book of life. I don't know if you have heard this, but when you read the Bible, you read line by line, but you read in between the lines, and you read those things that were not said, because sometimes those things that were not read are very important as the same. So what are those things that the text is not saying but it's going to happen. What happened for those that will not overcome? What happened with their names? They will be blown out. Because he's saying, he who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. If we read it on a negative way, he who does not overcome shall not be clothed in white garments, and now will blot out his name on the book of life. 
Remember what we were talking just a few minutes ago? What happens when you baptize? Your name is written in the book of life. But if your works or the things that you do are not right before God, our name will be scratched off, will be blotted out, will be erased. So yes, we can lose our salvation. But why do we lose that salvation sometimes? And let me uh, read for you uh, a quote from Ellen White. <clears throat> and it says, The work of God for the salvation of man is the one work of supreme importance to, the, to be carried forward in our world. But many do not see this because their interest is more with the ranks of the enemy than with the loyal soldiers of Christ. What is he saying? What is she saying here? I know sometimes I sound like a broken record. I don't know if you uh, remember the old record players. When they have a little scratch and, and the needle get caught up in this scratch, what happened? The saw will play over and over and over the same words, right? So you will hear like, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and you have to hit it so they will jump it or move the needle so that the sound will continue. I might sound like a little uh, broken record at this moment. Why? Because when Ellen White says, because their interest is more with the ranks of the enemy than with the loyal soldiers of Christ, what is she saying here? To put it in our time, it is like we are being deceived by Satan when we are following the word trends. Why? If election comes, we start fighting about who's our best candidate. What do Christians have to do with it? Nothing. Political affairs is not our way of living. Yeah, we have to vote. Yeah, when you vote, pray God and that he give you the wisdom to choose the, not the best one, but maybe the less worse. But that's not something that we need to get confrontation and tell your brother, hey, who did you vote? Oh, you did wrong. Forget about political. That has nothing to do with Christian. And sometimes the devil is so good that keeps all our time discussing political ideas that has nothing to do with salvation. And guess what? We will be doomed. Because we are following something that is not God. And that's why Ellen White says here, the work for, of God for the salvation of man is the one work of supreme importance to, the, to be carried forward in our world. But many do not see this because their interest is more with the reins of the enemy than with the loyal soldiers of Christ. Instead of talking about political, why don't we talk about outreach, preaching, evangelism, Bible studies, that is what we can do, and that is what we should be doing. They do not see the necessity of the cooperation of the human with the divine agency. The Lord has invited us, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. This is the plan which God has revealed to us, 
to guide us in all the plans and purposes of life. But while men pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is written, many reject the very means by which God would establish his kingdom. Sometimes we are just busy doing nothing. We're just busy discussing something that brings nothing good to our life. Nothing. Instead of studying our work, praying God, or helping somebody to understand the Bible, giving somebody Bible study. And, and this is what is drawing people away from God. Because they are more interested with what happened in the world outside than what happened in the church or what happened in the ministry of God. So, my friend, there is a whole system in heaven to help you, to help every one of us. So we don't have to fear that we can also lose our salvation because we just went astray. No. God has also provided some means of assistance. Do you remember what happened when Peter was walking on, the, on, on water? It says a wave come and close the vision so Peter stopped watching Jesus. And at that moment, he starts thinking. And what did Peter say? Oh, I'm thinking, nice. No. He did something that we should be doing. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sing, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. What did happen? What happened at that moment? Did Jesus ignore him? No. Jesus come walking on the water, grab Peter by the hand, and take him back to the boat and put him safe. So maybe if you are thinking in sin or you having something that you cannot overcome because you don't have the power, it is time for you to cry out, Lord, save me. And he will help you. But you have to ask for it. Because God will not come and say, hey, you're going to sing, came, help. No, no. You have to realize that you are sinking, that you are in trouble. And when you realize that you're in trouble, and then you cry, God, and God will help you. Jesus came at that moment and helped Peter. Jesus also says on John 17, 15, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Jesus knows the world we're living in. It's not a safe world. No matter where you go, you're going to find wicked people, bad people. But why sometimes we don't get hurt? Well, because Jesus prayed. He says, I, I do not pray that you shall take them out of the world, but you shall keep them from the evil one. One day in heaven, you will ask Jesus, Jesus, how did I make it in that earth? Oh, you know, on this day, there were two angels escorting you. On that day, I make you get a little late because I didn't want you to suffer this accident. 
If I tell you my teenage life, I was living in a country in the middle of civil war. So I had to travel from one city to another city to bring merchandise to my mother. So as soon as I get out of school, I went home and my sister had those big baskets that I can carry, grab the bus and go to my mom. And sometime I was on that bus when the driver just stopped and said, hey, we cannot get to downtown because there is a shooting over there. So if you want, just get off here and I'm going to turn back. And I go, why, what am I going to do now? I'm in the middle of nowhere and I need to go to my mom. So I had to carry that basket and take another route, walk like three, four miles and to get the next bus. So it's like, okay, this is downtown, so I got to go all this way to go all the way around. So by the time I went, I got home where my mom was, it's already five hours that had passed. And I got that all sweaty and tired, and my mom was, oh, you made it alive. Yeah, mom, I don't know how, but I made it. And that happened to me not only once. I don't remember how many times. One day I was in the middle of school, and there was a shooting. I don't know how I made it out. One day I know I will ask Jesus, how did I make it? And he will tell me how. Because in that prayer, Jesus asked for the protection of all of you and me. So we have that assistance from heaven. How? Because Jesus is praying for you. He did it for you. Also, there is another good news. 1 John 2, 1 says, My little children, these things I write to you so that you might not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Wow. Remember what I was telling about the, how big the sacrifice has to be so that our sins can be forgiven? This is what I'm talking about. Maybe today that we are now Christians, if we sin, it's not that we shouldn't, but sometimes we do. We have an advocate, and this is Jesus. And that sin can be forgiven, but we need to confess and ask forgiveness. And Jesus will take that confession, and he will give us the forgiveness through the Father. So there is there is still another chance for us. That chance will be over at the close of probation. But one day we will talk about the close of probation. But at this, at this moment, if you ask forgiveness, God will forgive. But you need to confess. But also, Matthew 24, 13, Jesus says, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. What does this mean? My brothers, every day is a different challenge. Maybe the challenge you have today is not the same that you have yesterday or the same that you had a week ago. Every time you have a different chance, a different challenge. But how can you overcome? Because you keep moving forward. You don't let those things to stop you. You keep doing the thing that you have to do and you let everything on God's hands. 
And that's what the text is saying. He who endures to the end shall be saved. In other words, we also have to fight for our salvation. We have to do everything we can to be saved. And that means leave behind those things that we don't need anymore or those things that we do that are preventing us from going into heaven. <clears throat> Let me read a, another text from Ellen White. And she says, God do not ask you to feel that Jesus is your Savior. Pay attention. God do not ask you to feel that Jesus is your Savior, but to believe that he died for you. And that his blood now cleanses you from all sin. See? You have been bitten by the serpent. And as the serpent has, was lifted up in the wilderness, that the dying might look and live. So Christ was lifted up, that whosoever believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Saving faith is simplicity itself. And this is something I like. And pay attention. You must cry no more. You must cease to hang down your head as a bulrush. Look to the uplifted Savior. And however grievous may have been your sins, believe he saves you. All the remedies and medicines of the world will have failed to cure one soul who has been bitten by the venomous serpent. But God has provided a remedy that cannot fail. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Be not among the number to whom the Savior says, Yet ye will not come unto me that ye might have life. Oh, how he longed to save them. For while we were just sinners, not wanting for us to make ourselves good, Christ died for us. See. So in other words, what anyone is saying is, hey, don't come like, I am so tired. Oh, I don't have forgiveness. I can't anymore. No. She says, lift it up your head and look at Jesus. That's what we should do every day. Don't let Satan to bring you down and believe that you are lost. On the contrary, at that moment, you lift up your head like if you're like proud. And say, hey, there is Jesus. He's the one who did it for me once. He can do it again. Don't fear. And then the last one that I like too. He says, Jesus is making intercession for every one of us. And he wants us to come to him and see the power and grace of a living Savior He is my Savior, and He saves me today. I believe in Him today. I commit the keeping of my soul to Him today, and I am kept by the power of God. Through faith unto the salvation that is to be revealed at the last time, if that salvation is revealed, I mean to see it. I know I have to God a living Savior. I know He has brought me with an infinite price, and I am not going to disappoint Him. I am going to count myself on the Lord's side that my name might be graven on his hand that it is what I mean to do. 
When the devil comes with his doubt and unbelief, shut the door of your heart. Shut your eyes so that you will not dwell upon his hellish shadow. Lift them up where they can behold the things which are eternal. And you will have strength in every hour. The trial of your faith is much more precious than gold. Isn't that wonderful? He is my Savior, and He saves me today. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. But today, I know that He is my Savior. That today, I commit the keeping of my soul. That today, I kept, my, I kept by the power of God. That is what should be in our hearts every day. And also, Jesus, Satan will always come with doubt in your heart. What if and what if and what if and you start thinking about or overthinking about things? No. When the devil comes with his doubts and unbelief, shut the door of your heart. He says, stay away from me, Satan, and pray God and let Jesus help you. So to answer the question that we have at the beginning, if you have believed, you have been baptized, and your life is in harmony with heaven, yes, then you can surely say, once safe, always safe. If your life is in harmony with God. But if you think that you do not have to do something to be safe, it's true, because salvation is a gift from God. But notice, the things you do are proof that you are safe and that you are thankful for it. And that's what it is to be in our heart. So may God bless you and save you. So let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you this morning because we have studied again the plan of salvation. We now understand, Father, that because you loved us so much, you have given us a Savior. Somebody who came to this earth to die for us and to live for us. Help our Father to accept that sacrifice, but also at the same time, Father, help us to show how grateful we are by helping other people to come to your understanding. We ask you this in the name of Jesus. Amen.